What's up, everybody? Welcome to In the Pit with Dimitri and Dick. I'm your host, Dimitri Sparks, and with me is my co-host, Dick Dave Feliz. What's going hey, on, Big Dave? Hey, how we doing? How we doing today? Doing good, doing good. <laughs> today on the podcast, we're going to do a album review. This is from, by a band called Terminal Nation. Terminal Nation has a new album out this year, and it is their first LP. And we're going to be reviewing it. It's called Holocene Extinction. And this album is produced by a label called 20 Bucks Spin from our hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. awesome is that? The Berg, the city of bridges. <laughs> you know, I never knew it was called the city of bridges until, until like, uh, like today I was like looking up something for Pittsburgh and it said uh, city, of, city of bridges. I, you know, it's funny. I never knew it was called that till well after I already moved out of Pittsburgh. You know, like I always knew, yeah. I always knew Steel City. I always knew the other ones, but I never, really, ever remembered it being known as the City of Bridges during the time I lived there. Which is interesting. I don't. I mean, I, I guess there are a lot of bridges, but I guess it was one of those things I never really thought about when I was there. I remember like three bridges, maybe. But I always remember it as the Steel City. Yeah. And then, like I said, I was looking up something about Pittsburgh online, and I saw that, and it has, like, the most bridges out of any city. Any yeah. city in the world. That's a lot of bridges. Well, you know, and I think when you're saying you remember the big, like, you remember, like, three, you're talking about, like, the big ones, like the Birmingham Bridge, the uh, Fort Pitt Bridge, you know, the ones that run by the stadiums, all those bigger ones. Uh, yeah. but then you do have all those small ones that just run right over the rivers. Like you got the hot metal bridge, uh, South 10th street bridge, all those little tiny ones. And there's a bunch of them that just cross over the different rivers throughout the city. So I guess when people do say that they are correct and it probably, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it does have the most bridges, especially in North America out of any city, but I Never really thought of it when I lived there. You know what I mean? Like, what is the bridge right after the Liberty Tunnels? I think it's the Liberty Bridge. Oh, that's the Liberty Bridge. Yeah, I'm pretty. Well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, you know, that makes sense. It would. That's where it would be. Well, hold on, because I don't want to. I don't want to come off sounding like a faux Yinzer here, a pseudo Yinzer. So let me look yeah. at the different. We're all Pittsburghian. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, the Yins Jagos down there don't know what you're talking about. You moved out and you don't understand what bridges those are down there by the tubes. Because, you know, you called it the Liberty Tunnels and people call it the tubes, I guess. So, you know, (laughs) let me look because I want to make sure. So I remember, like, whenever I would go to Pittsburgh, I would go that way. And it was like you were in this small town and then you go to the Liberty Tunnels. And that was cool because you were in this little, little tube. And then it spits you right out, and you're like right in the city. You go from like this weird little small town mm-hmm. into the city. Like, as soon as you got out there, the that bridge greeted you. Yeah, and and that is that's the Liberty Bridge. There's also there you get the Fort Pitt Bridge. Uh, the big ones are that Fort Duquesne Bridge. But then I'm looking at some of the other ones now. You got all these small ones like. Uh, well, we talked about South 10th Street, Smithfield Street Bridge, Panhandle Bridge, you know, a bunch of different ones there. So it is it is interesting to think 
the city of bridges. Uh, you know, I get what you probably read on that thing what it has more bridges than Venice or something, right? Yeah, yeah it, it's the world, I think I saw it say, Yeah, and I remember coming out of the Liberty Tunnel tubes, or and I could, I'd come out there and I was just always really bad at driving, anyways, but I'd just mm. get lost because I would be like, Well. There's this bridge over here. It's like, I think we crossed it when we first came in and then it realized it was probably one of the, you know, the hundreds of bridges that are there. And I always just get super lost when I go down to Pittsburgh. You know what? You know what's also interesting, though? Uh, I think the steepest street, it's either in North America or the Western Hemisphere is in Pittsburgh. Really? Yeah, let me look it up real quick. Because, again, I don't want to come off sounding like I don't know my stuff here. But, yeah. Here it's important. Steepest yeah. street. Let's see. Steepest street. Pittsburgh. I want to make sure I got it. Uh I know it's in Yeah, it's Canton Avenue is or steepest. Is that where the rift is? No, that's Mount Washington. Actually There's some straight some some steep streets on Mount Washington too, right? Yeah, see that's the one I thought it was, although this is saying in Beachview, but I know this might be the one that was, there's, oh yeah, this is it. This is the one that was in the, uh, the commercial for, I think, uh, there's a couple different ones, but it had a snowboarder, a mountain biker, and then a guy driving like an Audi. <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess that was part <laughs> of it. Yeah. So. Steep streets but, and people driving Audis. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, since there's so many Audi drivers, I guess, in the area, I, not really, but <laughs> my main thing for going out to Pittsburgh was either going to a concert or going to a club to get drunk. Those were the <laughs> two things. And sometimes I do both. What was your what was your favorite ones there? Man, you know, a lot of the, the my favorite ones are not there anymore. Like I remember first concert. I went to, like, with my friends. You know, I, I went to Blue Oyster Cult with my dad when I was a kid. But, like, the mm. first one I went to with my friends was in Pittsburgh. And it was at the Metropole. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it closed that down a while ago, right? Yeah, Metropole, that's closed down. Um, some of the other ones that used to be there. And, again, you know, it's been a while since I've been up there and gone to shows. I know I remember going to Club Laga. Did you, did you go there? That was the one that was right uh, in Oakland by Pitt's campus was Club Laga. Uh, there was also Mr. Roboto. Mr. Smalls was another one. Um, the, Is Mr. Smalls still there? I think it might be, actually, because I thought I saw something about it recently, about there being shows there still. Uh, and there was... There was also Millville Industrial Theater. That was another one we used to go to, which would have a lot of a lot of the smaller type venue shows. You know, it was big in like the uh the hardcore scene. I remember there'd be a lot of bands that would come play there. I'm trying to think though, because one of the one of the craziest shows I ever saw in Pittsburgh, and you're gonna laugh about this because it had nothing to do with wanting to go see the headliner. But it was, do you remember when Vanilla Ice put out his his like, I don't know if it, if they were calling that new metal or if they were calling that rap rock or if it was supposed to be like a hardcore album or whatever. He had a record out in like around <laughs> 1999. Do you remember that? 
Yeah, and he had a hardcore version of Ice Ice Baby on it. Yeah. Is that, is yeah. that right? Yeah. It was so, Ice Ice Baby! <laughs> yeah, and it, it was... It was terrible. It was terrible. But the thing that was funny about that was, like, the people that were supporting Axe for that. I remember me and my buddies all went because the New York hardcore band, do you know Scarhead? Are you familiar? No, no, okay. No. Well, Scarhead, Scarhead was like one of the more notorious New York hardcore bands. Uh, they were part of like that whole DMS crew and all that stuff. Uh, and I remember they were one of the opening acts. So we were all like, well, I don't give a shit about seeing Vanilla Ice get up there and make a fool of himself. But let's go see Scarhead because we were big fans of them. So we went to that show. But it was funny, though, because, you know, it was one of those things where well, after that part was done, is like, all right, we'll just stay a little bit to watch him look like an idiot up here, and then we'll probably leave. <laughs> but like, you know, it, it was funny because that show brought out a lot of different, you know, people in the area. But I thought I think a lot of that was because of who the supporting acts were. I don't remember who else was on the bill. I just remember that being funny because it was uncharacteristic that they were, you know, on that show. But I guess whatever it, it gets you a lot of exposure probably playing on that i forget what venue that one was at though but it was funny though nonetheless yeah. i can picture the audience being skinheads and young teenage girls it was it was weird though because i think that was around the time where like new metal was big so yeah there were people that were into that who i guess i guess must have been into the the vanilla ice record because i guess it was being packaged is like a new metal album. I don't know. Like it probably was being pushed to be something similar to like Limp Biscuit or Corn or one of those bands, but I don't know. I again, I wasn't too familiar with with it other than that it was bad. It wasn't very good, you know. But yeah, he took some artistic liberties with that. Yeah. Now, I could see him being like in the same concert like opening up for Limp Biscuit. That sounds like to like if he was doing a metal or he's doing like a new metal seems like Limp Bizkit and Vanilla Ice would not be a bad not be a, a bad match but other than that I can't see him touring with anybody else yeah and that it, was what was funny about it like you know and you could tell there was some people there too when they saw like like Scarhead get up there and play they're like what the hell is this like because it was complete it was completely out of like their comfort zone you know for what they probably were used to listening to but what yeah because you know those guys had songs that were like all about like you know beating people's asses and stuff and it was very like you know Quite a lot of robbing people going on well it was like very street type hardcore like the dms stuff and all that from that era was you know tied in to that kind of side of the hardcore and punk scene but it, you know it's interesting it's, if you're not familiar with them check their stuff out though because they're pretty good they've always been one of my favorite bands are uh, they still around they they kind of are not not really though um the thing that's interesting about that is the lead singer of that band he actually is now into hip-hop which you know, I, I'm not really, I don't follow his stuff. I know he has albums out. Uh, 
during the years of him being in both those bands, uh, Scarhead and Crown of Thorns, he was known as Lord Ezek. Now, though, he goes by the name of Danny Diablo. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know, really. I'm not too familiar with his stuff as far as the rap records. I think I've heard a few songs here and there. I mean, it's, it's kind of typical East Coast hip-hop type stuff. But, again, I don't follow it. I don't know. I'm not saying it's good or bad one way because I don't really listen to it regularly. But I know that he has records out there now. Danny Diablo could easily be a DJ name at a really dark strip club. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so the Metropole. My the first band I saw was, was Fear Factory. Oh uh, yeah. first market that I ever stepped into. And you know, I thought it's like, oh man, it's like I could, I could get in here. It's like these guys aren't that big. And then I just I stepped in there and I just got thrown around that circle that they made. And I remember there was one guy that was there and he was this, this big dude, like super sweaty, like cut drenched in sweat. <laughs> and he was wearing one of those shirts, like on that show Seinfeld, whenever they talked about the puffy shirt, yeah, it had weird, like ruffles, like in the front, he was wearing that shirt, but it was wet, like soaking wet. Like he just jumped in a pool when he was, he was in the mosh pit and he kept running into me. And I'd get like his sweat all over me, and I, it smelled so bad. And I remember one time he, he was coming out from like the left corner or something, and I tried to, to to move around so I didn't hit him. And then he went flying, and like I just his elbow hit me in the mouth with his the sleeve that was covered in sweat. It was, it was the nastiest thing. I got the sweat in my nose and my mouth. <laughs> oh, it was it was bad. That was my first mosh pit experience. Was this dirty, sweaty guy stunk? I'm just wondering. Like what? Why would you wear a shirt like that? To... I don't know. That's like you I don't know, know. I had a Fear Factory shirt on in in jeans. That's yeah, like, most most of the time, my typical concert going attire would either be like I don't know a t shirt, and most of them are probably that I own are black, and then probably a, either a pair of jeans or some some shorts like cargo shorts maybe i've never really understood why i don't know maybe he was more into like that that was it like trying to look like gothish or industrial you think or what what would have been going to the he may have been going to the opera and just got (laughs) lost and got stuck in a mosh pit and was trying to get out it was more goth definitely but i can't remember what else he was wearing he probably had like rings and uh, leather pants or those Yeah, it's probably like a leather pant with like one of those like big uh, stainless steel belts. <laughs> what what year was this? How old were you when you were at that? Uh, this was uh, ninety five, maybe ninety six, around that around that like, like mid nineties, I would say. Was it like when the first Fear Factory record came out? Like the first first major record they put out. It was during demanufacture. No, yeah. it wasn't. It was during obsolete. Okay. It was during obsolete. So what was that, 95, 96? Probably, yeah. Around there. Yeah. It was a great concert. Just that, uh, that mosh pit experience was a little sweaty. You know, I, I remember Metropole, and I think... I remember they used to do stuff there where it would be like local unsigned bands could play... Yeah, they they had like shows there. They would be called like I don't know. The event would be called like Exposure, and there would be like 
you know, they just sign have a bunch of local unsigned bands on the bill. Cause I remember friends of mine in high school played that show. Uh, you know, but it wasn't like there was any real format to what type of bands necessarily would be on it. Uh, so case in point, they were like a, a ska band, but then the band following them was, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have classified it as death metal, but it was definitely on the heavier side of like thrash if it wasn't death metal. But, you know, but it was weird because, you know, those things usually don't play the same bill as each other. Uh, no. Yeah, so you had a... I guess that was all they could find. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, and then there was, like, you know, some of those awful pop-punk bands and stuff where, like... So it was all over the place as far as what they were playing. But, yeah, I remember that was at Metropole. But you know what was funny, too? Did you... And now this is going off the path a little more into, like, just going out drinking in Pittsburgh. Did you ever go to that thing that used to be across from, like, where Metropole was in the strip and it was called the boardwalk. It's not there anymore. They shut it down, but did you ever go to that? I think I've been there. Is that the club where there's, there was like a bunch of different levels. Yeah. And there was stairs and then there was different music and then you could go upstairs and then there was different people upstairs. And there was different, a bunch of different bars like within it, you know, like, and there was like an outside and inside. Is that the same one you're thinking of? I think so. Yeah. Uh, what was there though? I'm trying to think it was like was there. I think Whiskey Dicks was there. Or Whiskey whatever. Dicks. Or, yeah, I, I think I, there was like three or four bars. I kind of remember it. I can't remember the names of the bars that were there though. I I know that was never like a regular place I would go to, but I remember being in there one night and. Well, I won't say his name, but you know this guy. I know you know him. Uh, And we paid him a bunch of money to dive into the fountain right at closing time because they had, like, this middle, like, pool fountain thing. And I remember he stood up on it and dove into it, like, right whenever they told everyone they needed to get out. So that was funny because then he's, you know, they're telling him, get your ass out of here. And he's stumbling out of the thing, drenched, soaking wet, you know. Did, did he get into a cab or a car afterwards? I think we had someone drove. I don't remember. Oh, really? Which was it wasn't my car, so I didn't care. But he probably <laughs> soaked all. That's always fun. Hey, you gotta drive him home. Like shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. I, know. I remember. I remember a lot of bars down. I remember uh, like a Carson Street was always fun. Yeah. I remember like Mario's? Was, there, was Mario's down there? Yeah, Mario's was Mario's was on East Carson. That's still there, I think. Yeah, there were a bunch of fights there. Yeah, always seemed to be a fight a fight outside Mario's. There used to also be down there. Uh, you know, there was this one bar, and I don't know if it's still there, but it was past Mario's. If you kept going down East Carson, going towards Station Square, and it was called the Smiling Moose. And I remember it was right on Carson though. But when you would go in there, they didn't usually seem to have like live music. But what they were always playing, like whoever was playing the music there, I don't know if it was on a jukebox or if it was like a DJ or what, but I remember being in there and it would always either be like death metal, grindcore, like hardcore, like stuff that no other bar on East Carson would be playing. Because I remember being in there and we'd always be like, this is pretty cool. Like, I mean, I don't, 
I didn't know a lot about the place, but yeah, it always seemed like they were playing that kind of stuff in there. Were they playing it on a jukebox? Like, what were they playing it? Was there a DJ? It was through the speakers. I don't know if it was coming out of the jukebox or the DJ, but it was, you know, one of the few bars on that side of Pittsburgh that was playing that kind of music. You know, East Carson Street wasn't exactly known for extreme metal or anything but it was interesting always because i know anytime we'd go in there and it would just be random we'd just be walking passing oh let's go in there and grab a drink and that would be on there every time it seemed like so it was funny though but there's a a lot of good places there i remember this one place we i can't remember the name of this one either but we used to go down on friday nights and they had 80s night and we'd always get there early like like half an hour before everybody else would start coming in and I remember at one point I was there with a couple of buddies and my buddy found like 30 bucks on the ground. And he's like, Oh fuck. Yeah. I found money buying shots. And I'm like, Hell yeah. Getting shot. <laughs> yeah, so we, we all drank a bunch of shots. And then like 10, 15 minutes later, I'm at the bar ordering a drink and uh, I go to pay and I go to reach in my pocket. And I'm like, Oh shit. Cause I, had, I just had money in my pocket, like not in a wallet just yeah. inside my pocket. And I'm like looking for it. And I'm like, Oh shit! I dropped my money, and then I connected the dots. Like, oh, that's right. The money that he found was mine. <laughs> <laughs> Where was that though? Was that uh? I don't remember. Is it, I, it wasn't in Station Square, was it? All the way down where they? It wasn't in Station Square. I can't remember where it was exactly. Was it? Was, it, was it Jacks? No, it wasn't Jacks. But Jacks was a fun bar. Yeah, that was another one. But that place though. I remember no matter when you would go in there, it would seem like there was never any room to walk in that no. place. They'd uh, squeeze a band in there too, like by the bathroom. They have the band playing. Yeah. And then, <laughs> they fucked up in that place. Like I've been there. Like It seems like I always, when I go to Pittsburgh, I always stop at Jack's for a little while. I don't know. I guess it's just a place where everybody's at, you know, the neon mm-hmm. light. Stuff, yeah. Music playing. So it's like, oh, let's stop in at Jack's. And then like, Two hours later, you come out and you're just shit faced. <laughs> I remember the last time I think probably I went out in Pittsburgh with you was when it was when I first moved to Florida. I came up. I thought for some reason I'm thinking I I don't I don't know I don't remember, but I thought I went from uh, the airport straight to meeting you somewhere, but I don't think that's what happened. I think I drove my car to your brother's when your brother lived in the apartments Yeah, that used to be the old Westgate Village. Yeah, they, like they a, yeah, yeah. And I know, uh, like, I remember two things that were funny about that. Well, maybe three things. One was that we called a cab because we didn't want to drive. And since we made him wait, he got out of the cab and ate a sandwich and said, I'm going to make you wait because I had to wait for you to step out of the apartment. He was eating lunch. Yeah, like he was eating like a sandwich standing at the back, like with it on the trunk of the cab. And he had a cooler with whatever his drink was in the cooler. He had a Mountain Dew, I remember. Yeah. And I remember... I remember then too, like I was like, we just kind of looked at each other as like, it really doesn't bother us much. It's not like we're on a tight schedule here or anything. I mean, uh, and I remember then on the way going back, we couldn't get a cab that would drive us back out to where those apartments were. And I remember some random lady just picked us up 
and drove us there and we paid her cash to drive us there. Really? And, yeah, you don't remember that? She was driving she was driving like a Lexus SUV too. It was weird, but I guess it was kind of like, you know, cuz that was before Uber was really a thing. It was right. like when people used to do that, like just pick people and say, "Well, if you give me 20 bucks, I'll drive you there." You know, hitchhiking. You're hitchhiking, right? I guess. Thumbing. <laughs> I do remember sitting in the car for sitting in the cab for ten minutes before we were like, "What the fuck is this guy doing?" <laughs> I was like, "Hey, yo, we're ready to go." He's eating a sandwich. <laughs> and the funny part about that was his his words were, "Since you made me wait, I'm gonna make you wait." It was like you could have ate the sandwich while you were waiting. I I don't I don't know. But, I know that was the only time a cab driver has ever threatened me with with food. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You, you want to do, do this demo thing now? Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Everybody, this is a new segment of the show. It, this is called Demo Vision, and what we do is somebody who sends us a demo. It'll be the very first time we listen to it during the podcast. So we'll listen to the demo, or at least some of it. And we'll give feedback, give just like a quick review on, on what we think of it. So uh, just be forewarned, if it's bad, we may make fun of it. So <laughs> it's just a disclaimer if you're sending a demo. So this, I can't even pronounce the name of this of this band. So tell me a little bit about it, Dick. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best here. You know, my, my Greek is a little fuzzy. Um, but the, uh, the, okay, where do I start here? Okay, so this, this band, and this was a demo that was sent to us, uh, kind of unsolicited, but I guess we do always ask people, if you want to be featured on the show, let us know. Uh, anyway, and I'm, I'm trying here, but like I said, I'm not fluent in Greek, um, the name of the band is Greek, but I don't think this is from Greece. From what I can tell, it's actually from Spain. The name of the band is Antonos Adeo. And the name of the demo is Tragos Adie. I, I don't know. I probably butchered that. But so anyway. Maybe Russian. No, it's not Russian. Because I, I would have a lot easier time with that than this. Um, This... What that meant is I looked it up because I just wanted to know because I knew it wasn't Spanish when I was looking at it because, I, again, I would have probably been easier off if it was Spanish here. It it's The name of the band means strongly empty is what that means. Uh, anyway, it's, it's kind of like a doom metal type thing. Seems like it has some influences of black metal and stuff. What I could tell is it, and again, I didn't, do a whole lot of research it seems to be your typical doomish or black metal stuff with probably anti-religious imagery and whatnot in here but you know i don't know let's let's give it some spins and see what it's like i we okay we butchered the name you know we apologize we tried our best um well i'll put the youtube link up and um I guess for the, on the YouTube channel. I don't think I could do it on Spotify. I'll, I'll try to do it on Spotify too, but we'll give it a listen here and see what it sounds like. Now this whole demo here is nine minutes. We'll probably just play uh, like a 30, 40 second, sec, seconds of the, uh, the clip.
he singing this? I wonder. How many seconds were we in right there? One second. Jump, jump maybe to about like three, four minutes because you're at the halfway point. Maybe it is only, maybe it's the one. It, I, I don't really know. Maybe it is. He, since he says something about doom metal, you don't know. That might be a nine minute one song demo. Jump to like four minutes and see what it sounds like. All right, I'm going to four, I'm gonna jump to 432. <laughs> The singing sounds like like Skeletor a little bit. Do do this, okay? I I know. Throughout the the first minute into the 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 tempo doesn't change at all. Hold on, let me go into. It has to be different at six minutes and thirty five seconds. Let me try it. Okay, go get. Keyboards in there, and it's got. It sounds. It, it sounds like I, I don't know. It's like the singing is really rough. What, how many? How many minutes were you at right there? Oh, it's seven minutes and forty seconds. <laughs> and, and there's how many left in it? Oh, there's uh, I don't know, probably two minutes. Two minutes and twenty seconds left. Uh, um, it's weird. It, it, it's almost <laughs> like a like. Uh, like a um, cradle of filth type sound, like in the background, it seems like. Yeah, and, and uh, I'll be honest, I was never a fan. I don't know that whole cradle of filth type stuff. Um, I guess here's gonna be my thing. Um, and you know, I we're not we're not in the business of just shitting on people's music here. Uh, but if you're gonna if you're gonna do programmed drums at least put a little bit of time into it and find ones that sound something better than like a children's keyboard. Yeah. Especially uh, at the beginning there. Let me play the beginning part. Listen to the beginning part of the drums. I remember my dad had this keyboard when I was a kid and there was like this, this button you hit where it just automatically had some music in it. It yeah. sounded like that. <laughs> 
sounds like this movie. You're talking about the demo key on the key. Yeah, the demo key. It would it would be it would be like when you go to Radio Shack, you know, and I don't think there's any of those around anymore. There used to be one probably what on the floor at Century Three Mall, like down on the bottom floor. You go there and you'd press the demo key and it'd do that like pa pa like that. You hit all of them, right? And just yeah. drive people crazy. It yeah. also sounds like, you remember hit sticks? It was like these drumsticks that had like these uh look like telephone cords wrapped to them. Yeah. They went to a box that you would you put on, on your side, like on your belt loop, and then you just like hit them in the air and it'd make drum sounds. And that's what it sounded like at the beginning. You know, it's that and then I guess and again, I'm not into this ambient type stuff. Uh but this sounds to me like it's trying to be very atmospheric very uh like you said kind of something along the lines of a cradle of filth and one of those bands um which i don't i don't know we reviewed a black metal band last week and i liked it uh, so it's nothing against that genre but this i don't know it needs work i'll, I'll just i'll try to be constructive uh it needs work if yeah it needs a little improvement you know the vocals were bad though and and i know we didn't even really listen to much of them there might have been worse on it and we just don't know because, like I said, we're pretty much cold calling these, just playing. Yeah, them the, go. yeah. The, vo- the vocals to me just sounded like way too loud, and I don't know. They just didn't. It wasn't, even, wasn't my cup of tea. They they just weren't even along with the music. It just sounded like almost like Halloween store effects, you know? Yeah, like if you're going to a haunted house, like ah, we'll yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, whatever. I mean, people start somewhere with it, so it, just got to figure out what's going to work and make it better. But it's yeah, keep work. working on it. It's, I don't think Frank Records will accept it at this point. Yeah, it's it's got to get better though. If you want to do something, with, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just you know, <laughs> it's called demolition for a reason. It means you might get crushed on this segment. You might get demolished. So, uh, well, while we're done with that and moving on. Why don't we talk about some music that is good? Uh, and we got our review for this week. You wanna you wanna lead into that, or you want me to do the lead in about this band a little? Oh, I'll lead in. Okay. I'll lead in. This band is called Terminal Nation, and they are from Little Rock, Arkansas. And their latest LP is called Holocene Extinction, and they're off of Twenty Bucks Spin, which we said earlier was from Pittsburgh, PA. 20 bucks spin, let's be honest. That sounds like something you might go hunting with. <laughs> you know, you're up in the tree stand, and you're like, yeah, I was sitting there, and I pulled out my 20 bucks spin, and then it all comes to no point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it is an interesting name for the label. And, of course, I, I didn't do a lot of research as to why it's called that. But what I will say, though, is they have a lot of really, really, really good bands signed to this label. Um, yeah. They're putting their music out. This band is a really good one, but I'll go ahead and name some names of some other ones that they're putting out. Alter uh, is another one. They're a band from Oakland, which is a metal band. Um, you know, I could I could go digging in there more, but I don't want to go too far off base. Uh, but I, what I will say is check out 20 Bucks Spin because they have a lot of very, very good bands signed to them. They're doing a lot for heavy music in general, and they have a good mixture of different bands because – you know, with this band today, this is a band that kind of, it's funny because this record 
some people may say it's a negative, but it kind of goes and steps around in what genre it even would fall into at times. Um, and the thing is, though, I like it because it kind of keeps you on your toes a little. You don't get to what sounds like a formulaic record. Um, right. Because, you know, they're slow, doom metal influence parts. There's fast blast beat stuff that sounds like it would fit on a grindcore or power violence record. Uh, but then you also have in there, you know, stuff that similar to like maybe your Swedish death metal with the buzzsaw or chainsaw type guitar tones. Uh, you have just flat out hardcore punk sounding elements in this record too. It's, it's a little all over the place. The vocals, they're not always the same on every single track, but at the same time, I liked it because I thought it was like, you know, I didn't get bored at any point. At every point, I was like, wait, what's this track going to end up sounding like here? And the slow parts, what I'll put this way, are they're absolutely crushing as far as how heavy they sound on it. Well, let's listen to let's listen to a, a track. Let's listen to the very first one because I think it's a, a very powerful first song to, to have on the album. And uh, it's called Cognitive Dissonance. So how you how what do you think of this record? Overall, it's pretty good. It's a really good hardcore album. You know, hardcore metal, like you said, there's some grindcore elements to it. Um, a little bit political. You can tell there's some songs on here that um, you got like "Death for Profit," "Caskets of the Poor." Um, some different songs on here have like a political aspect to them. Like "Holocene Extinction" too had some lyrics in it. Uh, where it's just like, how can we make this world a better place? You cannot save the world. A lot about how the, the world's going to shit and trying to save it and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty interesting album, and you couldn't really hear there. You couldn't really hear the different uh, vocals in that song, but there's plenty of other songs on here where you can hear that. And I think that's a pretty good aspect, like you said, of the album is that the voice, kind of, the, the vocals, kind of change up a little bit. It's not the same throughout the whole thing. I really like the first song quite a bit. I like Arsenic Earth, which is the second song. It has some really good guitar riffs in it. Mm -hmm. Holocene Extinction. Like the very first three songs are, are very good on the album. Um, yeah, both musically and lyrically. Yeah. Um, Utopia is pretty good, too. It's actually an instrumental. Yeah. Which, it's weird. Whenever there's an instrumental on an album, I'm always listening to it, and I'm like, all right, when the fuck are they going to sing? And then <laughs> oh it's an instrumental okay you know and and it's funny because i forgot about that for a second here until you brought that back because i was going back through the record today and listening to it and when that came on i was like i kind of got it was like where it was on in the background while i was doing something else because i just wanted to refresh my memory on some of the songs i liked i was like 
Oh wait, yeah, this is the instrumental track. I forgot that it was there. But yeah. it's it the thing about it is though, it's probably the song with some of the most complex guitar work and things in it on the record too. Uh, it is. which definitely sets this aside from most bands that would kind of identify as hardcore bands, because a lot of those bands don't do that kind of thing. They don't really you know, have guitar lead type stuff or things like that. One of my favorite songs on this was Death for Profit, uh, especially because it featured toward the end. There's that break where it's basically like the gang style vocals, like from hardcore, uh, like with almost like the sing along type vocals, along with that deep overdriven bass being the only right. things along with that in the drums. I thought that was a really cool song. Uh, I liked Orange Bottle Prison and a couple of the other ones too, like toward the end of the record. You know, it really, to me, especially because it kind of started off with more sludgy or doom type stuff at the beginning. And then it starts going into the faster blasts and stuff all the way through the end. I thought it was a cool way to kind of set up a record though. Um, but I definitely like this band. The album artwork I thought was pretty cool looking too. Uh, you know, yeah. So overall, what I think about this one is similar to what we talked about last week. If you're into heavy music, I would say you probably would like this record just because of how heavy it is. And it would appeal to a lot of different heavy music fans though. Uh, you know, it's got something for the hardcore kids. It's got something for the metalheads. You know, it doesn't really fall under one set guideline of things where it wouldn't, you know, where I would say someone would listen and be like, yeah, I'm just not into that because that's not my scene or my genre, you know? You listen to jazz. <laughs> well, yeah. I I mean, well, we're talking on one side of the spectrum of music stuff. I guess your jazz guys might not like it. <laughs> you know i like another thing too about that instrumental that expired utopia is how that song when it ends it bleeds into the next song mm -hmm. uh which is death for profit yeah and that's a really cool effect and then his voice is really different on the, the death for profit too yeah uh, sounds really cool and the way they end that death for profit song too it just kind of fits slowly fades out within like the last 30 seconds or so yeah. of the song yeah definitely. some really cool effects on this album too yeah so but yeah, check them out. They're on Bandcamp. They're on Spotify. Um, they got a Twitter page or uh, an Instagram page. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're they're on both Twitter and Instagram. Also, too, they have merchandise on Twenty Bucks Spin. Uh, you could get shirts there. They got short sleeves and long sleeves with the album artwork that was on here. Uh, I'll, I'll throw another Pittsburgh company in there because that's who's handling the printing on a lot of these shirts a company called Pyre press. If you look them up, you can see some of their designs. They're also on Twitter and Instagram. I'm going to be flat out honest. I've ordered a couple t-shirts from them already, as well as a couple of the t-shirts that their bands, uh, that are being made by Pyre press. They got a lot of really cool designs out there too. Now, are you a guy that likes to buy T-shirts online most of the time, or do you like to buy them at concerts when you go? Well, I mean, ideally, I'd buy them at the shows. Just lately, we can't do it anymore. Right. Uh, not, not, yeah. I guess you got no option, but I always like buying them at shows. 
I like buying them at shows just because you can see how the shirt looks and how it's going to fit a little bit more, too, because you yeah. can see it in person. Like, you know, what I hate is when you order a shirt and it's printed on, like, some of the, the either crappier T-shirts or, like, they're fit real weird or they're real small or the necks are all stretched. You know, I, I, don't, I don't like spending... 20 30 dollars on a shirt and then it comes and it's one that it's like oh as soon as i wash this thing it's gonna shrink or fade or look awful and i can't even i don't even want to wear it again so yeah, yeah i'd rather i'd rather buy them the con and plus too the thing is that's really where i feel you would be buying your merchandise at you know the concerts yeah plus it's just fun going to the merch table right they got a lot of stuff like patches yeah, yeah. Coasters, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm buying it all. Oh, then yeah, you realize, I don't have enough money for all of it, so you just end up buying <laughs> sticker. Yeah, grabbing the shirt for the most part usually shirt, is what sticker. I do. I always yeah. say I'm gonna get patches and make a make a battle vest, but I never have the wherewithal or the follow through to do it. You know what I, I mean? Know. It's that's just one of those things. As many years as I've been listening to this type of music, I just never have been able to bring myself to actually put the time in to do it. I always shy away from the hoodies too, because I'm like, man, it'd be cool to have a hoodie, but it's always like sixty bucks for yeah. this thing. And then my thing about hoodies now, you know, if I lived in Pittsburgh or New Jersey or DC, still, I would buy them because I'd wear them a lot. Here in Florida, you know, there's not a lot of hoodie weather except for the two or three weeks where it drops into the sixties in the winter here, you know. Sure. So well, if Terminal Nation starts making flip flops, you could buy Terminal Nation flip flops <laughs> for Florida. Yeah. There should be a Florida merch market where they just get you like tank tops, swim trucks, water shoes. <laughs> yeah, water shoes. Sunglasses. Yeah, a bandana. <laughs> oh well. But all right. So anything else you want to throw in there? I know we talked about a lot of stuff today, covered a lot of different things. Nope. Uh just make sure to um I was going to say, check us out on, on YouTube. And, but apparently, if you're listening to this, you probably already know that. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but like you said, we're on YouTube. We're on Spotify now, correct? Yeah, Anchor, Overcast mm -hmm. are the places to go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> how are you going to end it? I, I, I don't never know how to end these things. Like, <laughs> I guess you could always play the music. <laughs> All right, see you next time, everybody. All right, take Bye. it easy, you guys. Have a good one.